When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. A happy weekend. Happy Saturday. I hope everyone's having a great weekend, although the weather isn't so good this this afternoon. But I hope everybody gets out and uh, is is, um, getting fit and getting active. And uh, I want to talk about this afternoon what's going on with the economy that's the main focus of this show and i want to thank all our regular listeners as i say all the time our ratings for the show have been excellent and uh, for the new listeners thank you for joining in we devote this hour to trying to um, educate folks about what's going on with the economy what's going on with finances what's going on with your money and more money that's why we call the show more money and i want to thank um John Katsimides, for, uh, he is, of course, the owner of this great radio sh- station, WABC. He is a hero of mine, and he has built WABC into being what I regard as the single most influential talk radio station in America. So that's an amazing thing, and I'm just proud to be a small part of it. So, okay, let's get right down to it. I, I, uh, you know, I'm a normally um, described as a happy warrior, and normally I am a happy warrior, but I'm not happy right now, folks. I am not happy with the direction that this administration has taken our great country. And I'm heartsick about it, frankly, because I really believe that the American people made a big, big, big mistake in November of 2020. And we're paying a very high price for that mistake. We have replaced a pro-business, pro-put-America-first president, and we replaced him with someone who is a left-wing. His, and, and by the way, Joe Biden wasn't always this way, but he is he has uh, morphed into a left-wing progressive ideologue that has put this radical ideology of big government and socialism ahead of economic common sense. And we're paying a high price for this. Now, look, I am not here to defend some of uh, Trump's actions. I'm not here to defend some of his antics and some of the things that he says. Sometimes I cringe. But uh, having worked with this man, um, I do know that his agenda was one of rebuilding the American economy so that we were number one in the world, so we could outcompete Russia and China and Germany and all of our uh, competitors. And this isn't happening right now. 
we are in an extraordinarily dangerous moment right now in this country. And look, the jobs market is still strong. It's very strong right now. So Biden is right about that. But to me, it feels like we're a ship bobbing along uh, in the high seas with a tsunami coming. And you just get this sense that this is the calm, if I can call this a calm, because it isn't really so calm, before a huge storm that is going to toss that and submerge that ship under the water. Uh, And it's all because of bad mistakes that have been made from day one when Biden came in. The war on American oil and gas, the war on American fossil fuels. You know this. I've said it week after week, and I'm sorry for those who are regular listeners. You may be getting sick of me saying this. But under Donald Trump, I was in meetings with him. He was in favor of all American energy, all American energy. Our wind power, our solar power, our nuclear power, our hydropower, and most importantly, because we get 70% of our energy today, <coughs> excuse me, from oil, gas, and coal. Oil, gas, and coal. These are not sinister fuels. These are the power sources that built this economy. <laughs> you know, starting with the Industrial Revolution uh, some uh, 200 years ago. And the idea somehow that we're going to turn off um, our oil and gas and coal development and go towards wind and solar power is a fantasy. It is a delusion, and it is dangerous. And it is the reason, folks, that I'm looking at the Fox News screen as, as uh, I'm doing the show live, and I say, see that they just reported that gasoline prices on average in the United States today, are you ready for this, folks? I hope you're not driving your car. Don't drive your car car off the road. The average price of gasoline in the United States today across the country is now officially $5 a gallon. And that's for regular unleaded gas. If you want premium, you're going to pay 6 bucks a gallon. If you live in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, as I know most of my audience for this show does, you are talking about um, 6 and $7 a gallon for gas. Now, let's rewind. Okay, let's rewind. Let's go back to uh, November of 2020, right before the election. Think about this. Think about it for a minute. You know what the gas price was? It was too rough, depending on where you live, the national price was a about $2.39 a gallon. So that means that we have doubled, doubled the price of gas in, what is that, 15, 16, 17 months. Incredible, incredible. Now let me give you another example. Um, Inflation. You all know, I, I, I know you're all paying attention to the national news. It's been the number one news story that inflation is now running at 8.5%. Wages are growing by 5.5%. That means that workers are losing 3% of their paycheck each month. <laughs> that is a That means we're getting poor, Joe Biden. You're not building back better. You're not building back better, Joe Biden. You're building back worse. And then you look at what's happening, and, and I know because I get so many uh, emails and, uh, and uh, texts 
uh, and tweets from people saying, Steve Moore, um, stop saying the inflation is 8.5% because when I'm paying 25% more for food, when I'm paying 70% more for uh, gasoline, when I'm paying more for my travel expenses, when I'm paying more for uh, cars, rent-a-cars, all of this, a lot of Americans feel that their inflation rate is closer to 15 to 20%. And, you know, when I look at these numbers, I mean, eggs, eggs. There are some places where an egg costs a dollar. <laughs> egg used to cost 40 cents, and now eggs cost a dollar. Now, not in all markets, but in some. And then you've got the empty, empty uh, shelves. Uh, now, folks, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. Does anybody remember supply chain problems under Donald Trump? Do you? I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember empty shelves. I don't remember going to the store and there being, uh, you know, now did you see the latest things? There's a shortage of now tampons, tampons. There's shortages of infant uh, formula. I mean, this is a scary situation. I am worried. I don't want people to panic, but I am worried about food shortages. And I would, would urge people to do two things. Get a generator. Get an electric generator so that if the lights go out because of Biden's policies, I mean, look, these are dangerous times, folks. I'm not trying to scare you. And hopefully this isn't necessary, but best, best to be prepared. Get a generator so that you don't lose your power in your house. And, and uh, you know, that is a that is a dangerous uh, situation that is quite possible. There's a report in The Wall Street Journal that many states are facing rolling uh, blackouts. And then um, brownouts this summer because we're running out of out of energy, and we're not going to have enough solar power and wind power to possibly make up for the amount of uh, that we've reduced our oil and gas. So we've gone from being an energy dominant country in the last months of Trump to now having to go to Saudi Arabia and these other countries and plead with them. It's almost I mean it's humiliating, frankly. And then our president has to go to OPEC countries and say, please increase your oil output when we're not doing it here at home. So, again, I, I get frustrated. I am frustrated right now. We can do so much better than this. I honestly believe, and again, I know that a lot of you don't like Donald Trump, and I respect that. I, you know, I respect people's opinions. But if Trump, if Trump were president, come on, even if you're a liberal Democrat, you've got to admit, you've got to admit that if Trump were president, we would not be facing these crises. You know it. You know it. Even if you don't like his personality and his behavior and, and his craziness, and I'm, I'm very disturbed by some of the things that happened on January 6th, as many of you are as well. But you've got to admit, in your heart of hearts, you know it. We would not be facing this crisis in America today if Donald J. Trump were still president. And why is that? I'm going to summarize it very simply. Donald Trump was a businessman. He knew how to run things. He knew how to make a profit. He knew how to hire people. He knew how to the logistics of running a big operation. This U.S. economy is a big, big operation, folks. Uh, the magic of the free enterprise system is that it actually puts food on your table. It puts gas in your tank. It, it you know, under a free enterprise system, you don't have shortages of things. It's only when the progressives comes in, come in with their socialist radical agenda that we face the economic crisis we're in right now. If you're like most Americans, you're very, very concerned about the direction of things. Only 20% of Americans today rate the economy as good or great. The vast, vast majority of us rank it as poor or fair, and that's not good enough. So 
Um, I am not going to be taking your calls later in the show because I have a special guest who's going to, because I want to shift directions. I want to talk about the crisis in our schools now that we're on summer vacation and we're all started, starting to look forward to the new school year that starts in the fall. Uh, Betsy DeVos, who was the head of the education department under Donald Trump and really one of the world's experts on what's happening in our schools. I'm going to, she has a new book out that, uh, we're going to discuss that her findings because I'm disgusted with what's happened to our education system all across America. But before we get to that, we're going to turn to um, the uh, pains um, to talk about Ryan and uh, Bob Payne to talk about what you do now in terms of your investments, because we've seen a, we're in a bear market right now. And maybe now is the time to buy, you know, what's the old saying, buy low, sell high. So I'll be right back with the pains. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. This is WABC. I'm Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. Back in a minute. You're listening to one of the most iconic stations in the nation. An American original. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist, here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, markets were a disappointment in what has been a year of disappointment. Inflation continues to run hot and reaches highest level in more than four decades in May, when the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rose 8.6% from the same month a year ago, marking its fastest pace since December of 1981. Now, some of the high inflation was driven by especially sharp increases in the services sector, as consumers are now shifting their spending away from goods they bought for their homes during the pandemic and now towards experiences as the world reopens. Airline prices rose 38% year over year, while hotel prices gained 19%. May's increase was also driven in part by sharp rises in the prices of energy, up 34.6%, and groceries up 11.9%, the biggest increase since 1979. Markets immediately dropped on the news, pushing yields higher and stocks lower, as the market priced in a more aggressive Federal Reserve. The Fed's moves are to cool off a red-hot economy, but analysts are nervous they may be too hawkish. They might overdo it and slow the economy too much. The Fed meets this week, and the market will be watching. What they want to see is some clear and convincing evidence that the Fed has control and can pull us off and actually bring the economy in for a soft landing. They are widely expected to raise the Fed funds target range by a half a percentage point. But with May's hot inflation report, investors are nervous the Fed may be even more aggressive or forecast a faster pace of future rate hikes. This has been a year of good and bad news. And unfortunately for the markets, bad news tends to come on an installment plan. So expect the news on inflation and other headwinds to continue to disappoint. See, that's what happens in corrections in bear markets. Fear convinces investors that temporary headwinds are insurmountable and will only get worse, creating more panic sellers than buyers. But markets will recover long before the news gets better, and there won't be an all-clear signal telling you when. My guess is we won't have a hard economic landing, or even a soft one, but more of a bumpy economic landing. Yes, bad news does come on an installment plan. But one day, and I hope that day is near, the plan will be paid in full. My son Ryan and I have 68 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, 
goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E on this morning's More Money. Talking the economy, talking the stock market. And man, oh man, Bob, I just feel like every week it's just the suspense right now, right? Like, are we going to this recession? Are we not going to this recession? Is inflation going to come down? Not going to come down? And the market just seems like it has no direction, right? I mean, we're seeing up days, down days. You know, we have no idea, like, where we're going short term. What do you make of everything here, Bob? What's going on? I don't know, Rob. I'm scratching my head. I think, um, you know, is, is the economy actually bad, or does everyone kind of feel like Elon Musk right now, who said the other day, I just have a super bad feeling about the economy. <laughs> <laughs> is there some economic boogeyman lurking around the corner that I don't know about? <laughs> Well, I love it. I mean, this guy obviously has no degree in economics. I mean, in all fairness, he runs a great car company. Um, but now he just has a gut feeling, and all of a sudden, you know, the press goes crazy, and all of a sudden we must be going to recession now because someone has a, a bad feeling in their stomach. Like, that's a horrible way to make decisions about what we think is going to happen in the economy. And what's interesting is, Bob, you know, even though he's looking to lay off workers, man, oh, man, that unemployment number, whew, we're at 50-year lows in unemployment. And people's wages are going up. So it's like, you know, overall, that's not so bad. Yeah, I think it might surprise a lot of you to find out that the economy is actually in pretty good shape right now. Like you said, we have low unemployment. We have record job openings. Um, Your balance sheet, companies you work for, the corporate balance sheets are very strong right now. You know, profit margins are still good. And it's just amazing when you think about it, when you have all this good news, but it's all trumped by this fear of the big elephant in the room, right, inflation. Yeah, I mean, the fear here is, right, we're going to stop spending because we can't afford anything because prices have gone up, which to some extent is true, right? I mean, it's unbelievable for the American household what they pay for food right now, if they pay for gas, and I want to discount that. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're seeing a consumer that's still very strong, to your point. We still have a lot of money sitting on our balance sheet from the pandemic. You know, people didn't blow their stimulus which, you know, as Americans, you think we like to blow everything when it comes to money, but it's not true. We actually, most people have saved a lot of their stimulus, which is contrary to popular belief. You know, your wages are going up right now, and we're seeing a lot of money spent, not on goods per se, right? We're not sitting at home ordering Amazon packages anymore, at least I'm not, Bob. I don't know about you. Um, you might, you might, you're a great consumer, so maybe you're still getting those Amazon boxes. But, you know, we're seeing money go to when people go out to restaurants, they're going on trips, they're traveling. So money is definitely being spent in the economy, and it's being spent in a big way, and that's you know that's not really recessionary. No, it's not. But the, you know the economy, not the economy, but the markets uh, are volatile because they're trying to price in a couple of different scenarios right now. They're trying to figure out: are we going to have a soft landing in the economy, or is it going to be a growth recession? Um, you know, or are we going to have a recession now? Hey, right. I'm, you know, I'm not cynical when it comes to the market, but it's, you know, it did predict nine of the last five recessions. Okay. Can we just be clear about that? <laughs> so, yeah, you get about 50 50 odds. You, know, you might as well flip a coin uh, if the market is telling us we're in a recession or not. But what's interesting about the stock market, right? Because it's a lot of markets that make up the stock market, Bob, is it's not every market right now that's getting, you know, hit hard. Let's say, you know, technology is getting hit hard here. 
disruptive technology, communication services, which is kind of technology, is getting hit hard here. And just some of the consumer discretionary, uh, some of the big companies that just did so well the last two years, they're getting hit hard too. But the overall market, once you take tech out of the equation, I mean, it's only down you know, somewhere a couple percent for the year. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. I mean, I've had, I can't tell you, numerous conversations where someone's watching the nightly news. They call me, they're concerned. And I tell them that, well, we're down less than we were in 2020 when we did actually have a recession, which was only two years ago, or 2018. You know, when we look at our portfolios, all we're seeing is a normal correction, which we have almost every year, right? There's a drawdown in the markets. That's temporary. Every correction, every drawdown has been temporary in history, followed by all-time record highs. Now, we just don't know when that's going to happen. Well, you know, it will happen eventually. No, and we have to think about when you're building your portfolio for financial independence, and that's what we really are here to talk about is, like, you know, thinking about how do you build your portfolio so you can live off of it so you don't have to go to work forever. What we have to consider right now is, you know, we've seen a major rotation in the economy, right? We've gone from low inflation to high inflation. We've gone from interest rates going down to interest rates going up. We've gone from the Fed turning that spigot on and just, you know, stimulating the world. Now, all of a sudden, they're draining all that liquidity. So when you look at your portfolio, you know, it's it's got to change, too, because those tech stocks, which are getting hit hard now that did great the last 10 years, they don't benefit in this new, new paradigm that we're in right now. Yeah, but let's face it, Rye, we're in love with our tech stocks. They made us a lot of money in the last 13 years. It's really hard to give up on something that's been so good in your portfolio. But that's why you have to be diversified because we have a lot of headwinds right now, which you always do. But pretty soon those headwinds are going to ta- turn into tailwinds. You know, once the market gets a whiff that inflation has peaked or the Federal Reserve is happy, you know, with inflation or they're done with raising interest rates, this market's going to, it's going to skyrocket, right? We're still in a big booming secular bull market. You know, once China gets fully reopened, the economy is going to continue to grow. You know, we have $94 trillion in global GDP. We're going to grow $4 trillion this year. That's a lot of business. That's a lot of net worth that's being priced at a discount right now. You have to be invested in a strategy or you're never going to win. Yeah. Well, you know, that's remarkable too, Bob. You're talking about $94 trillion in GDP. That's an increase. And even despite the fact that we have high inflation and we have a war in Eastern Europe, we're still seeing the economy grow, which to me is just that just shows you, you know, human ingenuity and people's ability to, to adjust uh, is fantastic. And another reason why you don't want to bet against the future, as you like to say, Bob, you know, the, the world doesn't end very often. I'm going <laughs> to bet Elon Musk's gut told him that there's something bad in the economy. My gut is that the world's not going to end this time either. All right. I just got off my uh, betting site in Vegas, and I see that the odds aren't very good for the world ending often either. Um, But, you know, (laughs) I can't blame people for how they feel right now, right? We've had, you know, two years of of pandemic. We have this war in Ukraine that doesn't seem to ever come to an end. We have mass shootings, right? We have political infighting dysfunction. You know, it's really hard to feel good about the economy in spite of the numbers coming at you every day. So, my advice is you get a plan, you get a strategy, you get a discipline, you focus on that, stop watching the news, start focusing on the fact that the market and the economy is going to be higher somewhere in the future. You know why? It's been doing that for 300 years, buddy. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, look, I need to get on top of my strategy. I need my plan for retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. We keep 10 slots open for the entire show. If you have over a million dollars saved for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review 
There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to build you a bird's eye view of your entire net worth so we can start to hone in on every single financial issue you have you've got to address today. Everything from income. What's your income plan for retirement? When the paycheck stops, how do you fill in that income gap? We're going to show you how to optimize your Social Security. There's hundreds of ways to take Social Security, but one right way for you. We're going to show you how to do that. How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation? Whatever you need today, you're going to need double over the next 20 years. We're going to put together a full investment income game plan so that you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you lots of products that have high fees, high taxes. We're going to go through those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, show where all the hidden costs are, how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. Then we're going to look at diversification. Are you getting hit hard now with the market selling off? Is your portfolio down big? Because maybe you have too much money concentrated in growth, bond funds, or are you sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do while inflation's at 8%, you're earning zero on your money. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your portfolio, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, let's face it right now. It is a period of extreme uncertainty. You know, we have volatility in the markets every single day. And, you know, we founded our firm, Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, where we manage, you know, over a 1,000 families, around a billion dollars under management, is that we all cope with uncertainty differently. So I thought we could discuss some of the different emotions and mindsets that we see that you have during these times of uncertainty. And if it's hurting your planning or helping your planning, and really to make sure you have the right mindset so that not only do you not lose during these times of uncertainty, but... You know, you benefit from the fact that we have volatility right now. We have turbulence in the economy and the market. Well, that's what happens, Ryan. When you have negative news, you have volatility, and you have other panic sellers. When you have more panic sellers than panic buyers, then the market goes down temporarily, and that fear can leave you to panic. And the problem is when anyone panics out of the market based on that fear, on that emotion, and it's purely an emotional decision, they never think about, well, when do I get back in? Because once you make a decision to sell, right, it's a two-headed decision. you got to make a decision when to get in. And it's funny, over the years, and, you know, we've been doing this a long time, when someone says, Bob, I need to get out, I said, okay, what's your plan to get back in? And they look at you like you have three heads. Why would I want to get back in? Well, that's right, because it's impossible to know when, right? You think there's going to be a day where the sea parts and everything's going to line up. You're going to know that's the time to get back into the markets. But the problem is, is the darkest hours right before the dawn. So when things feel the most dire, when everything seems like it's falling apart, you're probably pretty close to the bottom, and things probably could turn around very quickly. And I think the other problem is, too, 
is we just don't make good decisions when we panic and we feel like when things are uncertain, we got to do something with our portfolio. We've got to make a decision now. And sometimes doing nothing is the best that you can possibly do for your financial health. You know, the next thing, the next emotional response, Rye, that I see is opportunism. I can't stand opportunism. The problem is, and I had a friend like this, is you sell out of the market or you're sitting in cash and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the bottom to come in. And again, no one, there's no bells going to ring when the bottom's here. And my friend, he sold out right when the pandemic started, you know, made a great decision, went to cash, market went way, way down. I kept asking him week after week. I said, Dom, are you going to get back in the market? Are you going to get back in? He goes, no, 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 I'm going to wait for the bottom. Then the market turned. Market started going up. It's two years later, Bob. He's still sitting in cash trying to figure out when to get back in the market. And that's the thing. If you go back, and it's hard for you to believe that when the market dropped back two years ago, it was down to 18000 right, with all this horrible news, all this fear that's going on right now. You know, the Dow right now is still at 32000 right? So, yeah, you panicked out when the market was low. And, you know, when's it ever going to get back to 18000 You know, probably not in your lifetime. <laughs> no, it's not. And the other problem is a lot of times it comes from despondency and numbness, right? Right now, you know, I don't want it to do. The portfolio's down. The market's down. There's all this uncertainty. And you get numb and you don't do anything. And this may be the case for you, too, if you're sitting on a lot of technology stocks right now that got hit really hard. You know, a lot of the rationale I'm hearing right now is, well, I'm just going to wait for these stocks to come back. And we know the reality of it is it's better not to because you don't know. Maybe it won't come back. You know, the problem is you think I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and I'm going to wait for everything to come back. But the reality of it is this is the time to be proactive. Look at your portfolio. Some changes probably should be made to your asset allocation because the winners of yesterday are probably not going to be the winners of tomorrow. Yeah, all you have to do is look at the trailing track record of what's going down the most right now has the best trailing track record. And the things that are going up the most right now have the worst trailing track record because investing is counterintuitive. You know, we know we're supposed to buy low and sell high, but emotionally it's hard to do, right? So when you have a portfolio that's all concentrated in one area, you can feel like the greatest success in the world. And here we are six months later, you feel like a total failure. You're despondent, you're numb, you don't know what to do. What you have to do is take action. You have to diversify that strategy Make sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket. You know, these are all euphemisms you hear all the time, but it's common sense, right? You just have to make sure that you don't have too much of a good thing because it can turn into a bad thing. That's what markets do to us. It can, and I think the, the other problem is being blissfully ignorant right now. And, you know, a lot of you do this with your advisor, right? You have an advisor, maybe it doesn't call you. Maybe they're a personal friend. Maybe they don't update your financial plan every year, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, they've got it covered. They've got me covered. I got news for you. They don't. You know, <laughs> if your financial professional isn't calling you on a regular basis, isn't looking over your portfolio, updating your financial projections, which we say you should be doing every 12 months, don't think that this person has you covered. They're not paying attention, and this is a big, big problem. And if you're getting close to retirement, if you're retired now, you really need to make sure you have someone that has your back, that they're looking at Every single year, what's going on with your life? Because it's going to change year over year. Everything's going to be different. Markets are moving all the time. If you don't have someone being proactive, especially now with things uncertain, you've got to get a second opinion. You've got to make sure that you're in the right place. You know, a lot of us want to stick our head in the sand, don't want to look at our statement, don't even want to think about it, but that's the worst thing to do. You know, don't take it personal. The market's not out to get you. When you have markets that are volatile, it creates opportunity. And the thing is, you want to make sure that you're in a position 
to win in a position to give the highest probability of achieving your goals. You know, you want to have history as a guide. You need someone who's going to educate you and, and hold your hand along the way. That's why you got to have someone you trust when it comes to managing your money. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I need a second opinion. i got to make sure I'm doing everything right. I know things are uncertain right now. No one's looked at my portfolio. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have five slots left. If you have a million dollars saved for retirement, Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no other firm that will do this work up front at no cost. We literally go through everything. We're literally going to build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life so we can hone in on every financial issue you've got to address today. Everything from income. You need an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? Well, there's hundreds of ways to take Social Security. One right way for you. We're going to show you exactly what's the right way for you to take Social Security and how to draw from your portfolio, build an income stream, factoring inflation so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves, loves to sell you products that have high fees and high taxes. We're going to go through every investment you own, those annuities, life insurance products, those mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to show you where all the hidden costs are on those portfolios, how to reduce them and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook, and we're going to look at diversification. Have you gotten hit hard this year with markets down, with money probably over-concentrated in big tech, disrupted technology, bond funds? We're going to show you how to properly diversify your portfolio. Or if you've been sitting with cash, earning nothing, trying to figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis, we're going to put together that full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. We literally have five slots left if you have over a million dollars saved for retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Go to bbullish.com, bbullish.com. You can learn more about me and Bob. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Simply go to bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Your health is important. Your sexual health is very important. And like everything else, it has challenges. As many as 50% of men over 50 have sexual-related difficulties like ED, low testosterone, and low energy. That's where they come in. Elevate Wellness has real professional and in-person solutions. Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Or visit elevatewellnessgroup.com and get back to where it started. Office visits, only $99 this month. If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com.
1037 WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. This is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in America. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope after the show you get out and get some exercise. And it's not the nice, nicest day on the East Coast, but uh, at least it's uh, – at least you can get out, hopefully. Yes, hopefully it's not raining. Now, I want, before I get to my next guest, I want to remind everyone that uh, I put out a what I call my prosperity hotline through my the group that I work with, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And this is five bullet items every morning that we will deliver to you if you'd like to get it. And um, unlike the Build Back Better plan, this is free. It actually does cost you nothing. All you have to do is sign up for it, and I think you'll find it highly educational. I think you'll, you know we try to be a little snarky. It's it's fun. It's but it's educational. We talk about uh, economics. We talk about um, we talk a lot about the um, the uh, COVID situation, and obviously that's still going on. And we talk a lot about what is going on in politics. So if you want to be the smartest person in the room, um, get that. And so just go to the committee to unleash prosperity. Give us your uh, email. We'll start sending it to you. And by the way, if you uh, would like to, um, if you don't like it, you can just unsubscribe for it, but I think you will. And then if you do like it, tell your friends about it as well. Newt Gingrich says it's the first thing that he reads every morning, which is uh, which is really quite a compliment. Okay. So let me get, I'm very excited about my next uh, guest. And by the way, I don't have a lot of guests on the show because I do like to hear from you all, my audience, but this is such a critically important um, issue, and we have really one of the world's experts on the American education system in Betsy DeVos. Betsy, as most of you know, served as the education secretary for Donald Trump, and I think was maybe the best education secretary we ever had in this country. And what she tried to do for our schools was amazing, um, with some success and some failures, but I think that um, – her new book out is just amazing. It's called Hostages No More, The Fight for Education Freedom. I love that. The Fight for Education Freedom. That is something I was wholeheartedly in favor of. Uh, and by the way, I'm looking right now on my computer screen, and I see that you can get this book on Google. for. Or if you want the paperback, you can get it for just $14.95. Or if you want to get the hardback version, you can get that for $29. So it's very cheap, but it's really important for the message. Betsy, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Well, thanks, Steve. It's great to be with you. All right. Well, let's get right down to it because I'm, I'm going to ask you just start with a very broad question, if I may. And that is, can you just kind of maybe in a few minutes describe how you um, what you believe the condition of American public education today? Well, Steve, uh, this last two years has really laid bare the problems with our K-12 education approach like never before and right. has really exposed to people um, what, I've, what I've known to be the case for decades. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, so as compared to our uh, you know, competitors in the rest of the world, we aren't even in the top 10 uh, in any measure. So we're 37th in math. Uh, we're 13th in reading and 18th in science. And that was all before the pandemic. 
So we know that, you know, America performed dismally as compared to the rest of the world with getting kids back in school. And uh, and so we, we know that uh, kids fell even further behind our in, international competitors. Uh, and, and then when you look within our country and at the assessments of kids across the country, we know that fully a third of them before the pandemic were not able to read at grade level. And that, again, was before the last two years. Um, and, you know, the Department of Education was founded in 1979 as a payoff to the teachers unions by right. yep. Jimmy Carter. Yep. Yep. Uh, we've spent over a trillion dollars since then with the express purpose of closing the achievement gap. Not mm-hmm. only has it not narrowed one little bit, uh, the top performers have actually plateaued off and the bottom performers have actually plummeted further. So we've spent tons and tons of money and we've expected better and better results. And instead, we've gotten worse results. So uh, that's a pretty dire summary, but I think it's highly accurate. And now I want to get to the why. You know, why are the schools so malperforming? And um, I think that, uh, you know, let me give you an example, a personal example, and then I'd love your response to this. So my two stepsons that are 13 and 14, um, and they, by the way, they're both great kids. They're completely opposite. One is very, uh, you know, very introverted and shy, and and uh, he doesn't have a lot of friends and buries himself in the books. But the other one is highly, uh, is kind of mischievous and and doesn't want to go to school and et cetera, et cetera. And so, but they're both bright kids, and but both of them were really struggling, Betsy, during the shutdown mm. of the school. And, you know, yeah. we could see it day after day. It was making their problems much worse. Now, sure. the story kind of has a happy ending because about nine months ago, we started, we uh, sent our kids to a Catholic school. And by the way, I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is, you've been to Montgomery County. You know, mm-hmm. it's one, mm-hmm. one of the third or fourth richest county in the country. <laughs> and yep. yet the schools yep. were so underperforming. And I've got to tell you this, Betsy, I mean, the difference in these kids in nine months, and I'm going to summarize what I think were the three factors that really have, have led to such incredible improvement. Number one, expectations. <laughs> these schools have mm-hmm. very high expectations. Number two, discipline in the classroom. I mean, if you don't, if you misbehave you're severely punished. I don't know if they still use rulers. I I still have the the uh, blisters on my knuckles from the nuns hit me on that. Uh, but but the number three is just a classical civil you know classical education. Um, and mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. to me none of that is happening in the public schools. And I'd love your reaction to that. Well, the reality is that for far too many kids, their their assigned school isn't working for them. And you use the example of your stepsons being very different in their personalities, probably right. very yep. different in the ways they learn. The, yes. the system does not acknowledge individuality. The system is a 175-year-old, one-size-fits-all industrial model approach, and it's it's a monopoly. I mean, only if you have the economic resources can you make a choice to send your child to a tuition-paying school or to move to a place where you buy a home that's in a, quote, good area. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is fundamentally unjust. We should be focused solely on individual kids and supporting them and their futures. And so I, I like to use the metaphor of a backpack. Kids go to school, most kids go to school every day with the things they need for the day in their backpack. We need to metaphorically attach the money that's already being spent on that child Mm -hmm. or is designated for that child and put it in that backpack 
for the family to decide where and how that child is going to get their education and their learning. And when we unleash that kind of creativity and that kind of power for every family, we will have better results almost immediately. We will have all kinds of diverse and different approaches to how kids experience their K-12 years. And it will fundamentally change the future for millions of American kids. Um, I like to say as an economist that the, that I, I truly believe that the single biggest factor in income inequality in this country, to the extent you know that we have income inequality, is the dismal quality of our schools. And you can see this, that the, that the uh, you know, the kids who grow up to be highly functioning adults that make a lot of money are able to go to good schools and the kids that don't are, you know, it's really difficult to escape that trap of poverty. Do you agree with that? No, I think that's absolutely right. And um, if there is anything that is actually systemically racist in our country, it is our government-run, government-controlled public school system. And that has to change. We should be, like I said, focused on individual children, not on a system, not on buildings. You know, the, the nonsense about saying, well, you know, the system is going to suffer if we allow parents to make these decisions. It's not about the system. It's about every family's child and their children having an equal opportunity for a great future. And that will happen when we unleash the power of the purse, the power of the resources, which on average today across the country is $15,000 per child per year. Some places spend a whole lot more, other places less. But we spend over $750 billion a year on K-12 education, and yet we have the most dismal results to show for it for the kids who can least afford to have, you know, to have that reality. Now, the good news, I think, and by the way, uh, this is, a, you know, a fantastic book called Hostages No More, uh, The Case for uh, Education Freedom. Um, I think, Betsy, you know, I've been in this game a long time of politics and policy, uh, that this is sort of what I call the school choice or parental choice moment. People have seen what you what you've described. People have seen it firsthand now of what the kids are learning, the, the dismal quality of of uh, of the uh, curriculums and so on. And so you just see people much, much more open to this idea than ever before. And so it That's seems right. to me the time is right. I worked for Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, as you know. I know you advised him. Uh, I think he won on the education issue. I think that's absolutely right. He um, he captured the moment, and, and it, you know, it was such a distinction between his outlook and his focus on students and families and, that, and, and their, you know, child's future versus Terry McAuliffe's uh, focus on the system and just basically bowing to the teachers' union and their allies, whatever they said. The fact that he had Randy Weingarten, you know, to, to wrap up his right. campaign said it all. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to just comment on the, the title yes. for my book, Hostages No More, because it, it is a provocative title. But it is a direct reference to Horace Mann's quote, Horace Mann, the founder of our K-12 education system, 175 years ago, said, educators are entitled to look upon parents as having given their children hostages to our cause. Now, at the time, I'm sure the cause was probably quite laudable. But that right. cause has become very different today, and parents across the country are seeing it. 
you know, as an economist, I always say that, um, you know, we, it's it's so interesting to me that two of our most important industries in America, maybe the most important industries, are our education industry and our healthcare industry, and those are the two industries that we don't use the free enterprise system that we've used to kind of command and control yep. structure. And it's so it's interesting absolutely. to me that those are the two industries that also have had the rise, the the least product, well, you know, the highest increase in prices and with respect to education yep. you'd probably have to say that we're uh, maybe i'm over reaching here but that we've almost had negative productivity uh that is you know the more money we put in the less we get out am i wrong about yeah, that no I, I think no i think that's absolutely right and you know we spend the most um uh most of any of the any of the you know competitors around the world we spend the most with the exception of two very very tiny countries that have a handful of students basically right, right. and and yet and yet we have we have uh, you know results that just cannot be defended and that's why those who have really stood for and and uh and tried to preserve the status quo they cannot argue on the merits on the merits of these of these debates yeah. they have to continue to they have to continue to try to you know, take down and, and uh, diminish those who are trying to make a difference for kids. So um, I'm going to uh, say something a little bit provocative, and I'd like your reaction to this. And it's sort of outside of what most Republicans say. But I do think that teachers in this country are underpaid, Betsy, and especially excellent teachers. They're way underpaid, in my opinion. And I'd like to see the Republicans say, hey, we think Repu that teachers – you know, should be paid more, more money for their salaries because of their importance. But, but, and I think, condition, uh, yeah. Let me just yeah, finish. I, 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 mean, think, I love your okay, Sure. Yep. With the condition, though, that we have to get rid of bad teachers, just like any any industry. You've got highly performing people on a job, and you have some people who maybe just probably shouldn't be in front of a classroom. And in, in some cases, not even their fault. They're just, you know, they just aren't up for the task. And yet it's almost impossible to get rid of the bad teachers. And so we're not able to reward the good teachers. So I just would love your reaction to that. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. Look, in a system of education freedom where every single family is empowered with the resources for their child's education, a great teacher becomes the most valuable part of that absolutely. equation. Yes. And education freedom is great for teachers because it allows them to find the kind of setting that they really are thriving on. So I, I think about and I use this example a couple of times this week, but there's a, a, a school in um, West Michigan that some of my children, my uh, relatives, grandchildren go to. It's mm -hmm. an outdoor school. So in Michigan, year round, these kids are outdoors almost their entire school day. Oh my and gosh, that's wow. how and where they learn. Now, uh -huh. the teachers who are part of that program are absolutely loving it. That is very different than your traditional classroom. Right. I use as, as an example, not to say that's the only uh, other kind of setting that you could have, but to just say that for teachers, education freedom would be a a huge benefit for them them as well because again they're the most highly valued part of that equation and uh the you know the bad ones will ultimately sort out if if again the consumer the 
the customer, the, the student and their family are entirely empowered to make their choices and decisions based on where they're going to get their best education. You know, uh, you probably know this story uh, because uh, we're both um, friends with Scott Walker, the former governor of Wisconsin. He was one of my favorite governors of all time. and He was amazing. But he yeah. loves to tell this story. Now, it's a few years old, but I think this is still going on. That This is no lie, folks. I'm not making this up. You can look it up. That the, the teacher who is rated the teacher of the year, Betsy, in the state of Wisconsin, was laid off because it was a you know last in, first out system of tenure. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, can you imagine a baseball team saying we're going to get rid of our, our best player? And so this is just a little microcosm, in my opinion, of what's wrong with our education system. No, absolutely. And, and I had a couple of roundtables with teachers while I was serving as secretary, ones who had been teachers of the year in their state or their district. And after doing their victory lap for that year, had gone back to their schools, to their classrooms, and then subsequently had quit teaching. And I wanted to know and understand why. And almost to a person, it was, we, you know, we came back, we thought we were going to have an opportunity to help maybe uh, mentor other teachers, or, but we were basically told to get back in our box. You've had your moment. And now, you know, go back to your classroom and be on page 32 on Wednesday of this week. Um, and, and they, you know, they, they, here, they were teachers of the year in some form or fashion, and they quit teaching. We have got to turn that around, mm. and we've got to welcome people like that back into environments where they're going to thrive because that's going to be best for our kids. Now, under the system that you talk about in your book, which is excellent, this is Hostages No More. I'm speaking with Betsy DeVos, uh, who was the education secretary under, um, under uh, Donald J. Trump. Under the system, just kind of describe how this would work for people, because it's a you know you're really thinking out of the box. It's not that radical and by idea, but as I understand it, so you you would basically allow the parents to have the you know sixteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars, whatever the amount of money is, and the, essentially, if I understand your model, the the kind of the money uh, follows this the parents and the students, and and they send right. their kids. They could send their kid to the public school. They could send it to a. Could they do a Catholic school, a Jewish school, a Montessori school? I mean, what what schools yep, would be eligible? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, any any uh, education provider that you know, and each state would probably have some uh, guardrails to set up around what education expenses could or would look like. But um, and again, respecting federalism, uh, this has to this has to be. Um, under, you know, acknowledging that every state is going to look slightly different, but right. ideally, the you know the parents have uh, an education savings account for each child, and they get the you know the the uh, monies in annually to spend on their child's education. They can take it to the school in their geographically assigned school if that school is working well for them. There's no reason to change, and they shouldn't right. have to. But uh -huh. maybe that school, maybe that school doesn't have uh, a couple of classes that their child really wants to have. Well, uh -huh. they could reserve a portion of their funds and um, and and then take that, you know, take that to a, a virtual provider or another provider in town to uh -huh. learn whatever it is that child wants to learn that way. Um, it could it could uh, go to families who want to form a small. 
uh, micro school or like a one room type schoolhouse. Yeah. To, to you know, yeah. a throwback. That's, that's happened, but, by the way, in, in our, you know, that happened during COVID a lot where parents just absolutely. got together and, and they'd have eight or 10 kids and, and then they learned. <laughs> And 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 they you know in many cases they hired a teacher if they had the resources well this would give parents the resources to be able to hire a great educator to be with their kids to and and I think about you know the shyer more um, you know quiet student who might do better in an environment that's smaller or um, you know it, it might be a school that is focused or, or uh, oriented around demonstrating mastery of concepts and material, which, by the way, I think is ultimately the way, uh, you know, students ought to progress and and, and, and how we should assess them is, you know, you, if you don't learn a math concept, yet you're moved on, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to be successful down the road if you don't have those building blocks. And so, you know, sending your kid to a, a place that is modeled or oriented around demonstrating mastery of subject matter um, and letting them move at their own speed. So there's really not, you know, grade level distinctions. Um, or maybe it's a school that uh, that is open longer hours because you're a working, a single working parent, and um, you know your community has brought in a bunch of wraparound services that are all kind of housed together in this longer day school uh, that works, you know, that will work perfectly for your schedule and works well for your child. And there's, there's no limit to the possibilities or the creativity that I am confident um, Americans can generate if we go to, if we change the paradigm completely and empower the families to make these choices and decisions. So uh, we've only got about two minutes left. I'm, I'm speaking with Betsy DeVos, the former education secretary for Donald Trump and the author of Hostages No More. But in the last just 90 seconds, Betsy, uh, I will play the devil's advocate. And you've heard this complaint many times. But what, uh, you know, the teachers unions say to what you've said is this is going to be the death of our public school system. And I would say absolutely not, demonstrably not. Because you, all you need to do is look at Florida, which has uh, advanced the most kinds of choices and uh, levels, you know, numbers of students that are actually exercising choice, whether it's within the public school system and district or uh, with using the tax credit scholarship program. You know, hundreds of, or, I mean, thousands and thousands of kids in Florida making choices, if not hundreds of thousands, making choices other than their assigned school. And there have been more than several studies that have have demonstrated that kids in districts where the most kids are making different choices, all of their achievement levels rises and all of them improve because, you know, there, there's reaction to what's going on in your in your community and people make decisions accordingly. Well, this is that was uh, Betsy DeVos. Betsy, thank you so much for uh, joining us. The book is Hostages No More. Great, great book. You have the solution that will liberate millions of our kids and get, get them to be highly functional adults and grow this economy. I'm Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC. Have a great weekend, folks, and I'll see you same time next week.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.